Thanks for joining us for our podcast, Putting It Together. My name is Christina Clayton, one of the co-directors of the Northwest Mental Health Technology Transfer Center. We are part of a national network to disseminate and implement evidence-based practices for mental health into the field. We are coming to you from Seattle, Washington, and our Northwest region covers Alaska, Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. However, in this virtual world, we have connected with people from all over, and we are very grateful to connect with you today. One of our goals is to provide free training and technical assistance in mental health topics. And now we are offering a podcast because we were told there weren't many podcasts out these days. Just kidding. But truly, we hope you hear some useful information and or inspiration that helps you put it together when working in this challenging and amazing field we call mental health. You can find out more about us, including our live event calendar, free online courses, resource library, and newsletter sign up by visiting our website at mhttcnetwork.org backslash Northwest. This Friday on November 11th, the United States celebrates Veterans Day, which honors all of those who have served the country in war or peacetime. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, there were close to 17 million military veterans in the United States in 2021, 10% of those being female veterans. There has been an overall drop in active duty personnel during past decades, but millions of people are still serving, and this group continues to increase with relation to women and people of color. How can we as behavioral health providers and other professionals best engage, serve, and support people who have served in the military? It's a huge and complex question, but today I'm very grateful to be speaking with Ahmad Bennett about veterans' issues, intersections of identity, transitioning into civilian life, and how we can be most effective in supporting those who have served. In addition, Ahmad is doing a webinar for us as well, so that recording will be available on our website later if you'd like an extended experience. Thank you, Ahmad, so much for being here. Can we start with just a brief introduction to who you are and how you came to this point in your journey and career? Sure. First, Christina, thank you for the opportunity to speak with you and your audience. I joined the Navy at 17 years of age. I did 10 years of service. After I got out of the military, I took advantage of the post-9-11 GI Bill, the Boke Rehab Re-Education Bill, as well to get help get uh, two degrees. And then out of pocket, I paid for my master's and became a therapist. Primarily, I want to serve communities of color, veterans, and first responders, just showing up and being present with their mental health needs. What should, just right off the bat, what should people serving others in the helping professions know about helping people who have served in the military? That's a great question. It depends what community we're serving. There's so many ways we can intersect with veterans, starting with their identity. I think it's really important to help veterans either reconnect or discover their identity outside of their military identities. And we'll talk about that in the webinar later. But really, it's transitioning into who we are now. We're not the 17-year-old, 18-year-old kids anymore. Now we're maybe in our 30s and 40s with families. Who are we? How do we find out who we are so we can connect with those services for employment, for housing, for mental health services? It really helps to have a starting place. And I think that starts with your identity. And what are some of the military norms, if you would, how do those affect a veteran's mental and behavioral health in perceptions of need, uh, mindset, asking for help? How does that all play out when you're serving in the military? Sometimes I feel like it's counterproductive. In the military, we're designed that we're part of a unit. 
the, the, the individual self does not exist. Mm. You're part of a larger machine, if you will, of other individuals with jobs and parts that, that intersect to do a specific mission or job. Thinking about yourself or using the word I or my feelings don't help that process. Mm. So when veterans naturally struggle with mental health like any human being would, there's this natural sense of dissonance and disconnection from self because now we're feeling guilty. We think we're less than because we, we actually require more than we, we may think our counterparts might need. So it's really counterproductive to the psyche of the individual when you start thinking about how do I show up for myself in very vulnerable, vulnerable ways. Yeah. And I was thinking about what you mentioned earlier, all the identities and intersections that a veteran might have. What are the kinds of things that you either experienced yourself or have observed in your time in the military since you transitioned into civilian life? What are the kind of identities that people may not have been thinking about when they joined, but now are facing as middle adulthood or older than 18 or 19, as you said? I didn't know what I didn't know. When I joined the military, I was a 17-year-old African-American that grew up on the East Coast of the United States. When I joined the Navy, I served the United States Navy. I was stripped of that identity. It did not serve me in the Navy. I was a sailor. I adopted a new moniker, ranks, customs, behaviors that served that environment. When I Now, we fast forward 10 years later. Now I'm getting out at 27 years of age, not by choice, by injury. Mm. So my even my whole trajectory of what I envisioned for the military wasn't met and satisfied. So now the Navy's like, well, thank you, Mr. Bennett, for for trying, but you're broken. We can't use you like that anymore. So mm. here you go. You get out. Who am I? Now I'm working in the civilian space as an African-American male, as an adult, 27-year-old, inching up, getting closer to 30. Now I'm working in workspaces that I've never been. Now I'm doing jobs and working in communities that I never thought I would live because I'm a civilian. I'm mm. a mod Bennett now as an adult. I have no idea what that is, but I need to figure it out really quick so I can start working. I can start plotting or strategizing where I'm going to go next in my career, or maybe my relationship. I had to, to adapt and reconnect to my African-American identity, disconnected from a lot of people of color. I'm from Maryland, I'm Baltimore, Virginia. Now I live in Everett, Washington, not very melanated in Everett. So now at this stage of my life, I'm trying to connect to parts of myself that I don't even know exist yet. And you mentioned that your identity is an African-American male. What other things did you see people struggle with or have you seen in your practice when people are in the military? I mean, I think it's fascinating what you've shared. And I've heard that before where you're not an individual. That is the entire opposite of how a unit and a military works. Yet we all do have things and we know that people suffer some really great, horrific things in their careers. And I'm so sorry about you, you know, not being able to follow your path that you intended. And I know you're not alone. What are the kinds of other intersectionalities or identities that people have shared with you or that you observed when people are really trying to find who they are now, either while they're in or as they're transitioning out of the military? I think in my practice, what I'm starting to learn more is that we are more than what we seem. There's many parts to an individual. There's many, mm -hmm. many separate parts. We could talk about gender, orientation, identity. Those are all intersectionalities. We can talk about the spaces that we occupy and that we hold. Pop culture. That's mm -hmm. how I connect with a lot of my clients. That's the starting mm -hmm. point. So are we nerd culture? Are we internet savvy? Are we part of the technological environment or our identities, our online spaces? So there's so many aspects to us that we interact on the daily, but that we might not actually sit down and think about how do I present as X? Mm -hmm. How do people perceive me as Y? We don't really think about that until problems start to manifest or things start to show up. 
And then a lot of time in therapy, I'm, I'm helping people find out, well, who are you? What does this identity mean for you at work, at the family function? How do you get to show up? How do you get to choose when you show up? I'm really trying to help people really discover their autonomy, how they get to decide when they show up, how they show up, and what areas they show up so they can really feel safe. I want my clients or any veteran who's transitioning, trying to rediscover their identity, I need you to feel safe in doing so because it's very uncomfortable. At least it was for me and a lot of the clients I get to work with. So the identities really, to answer your question, all Mm -hmm. identities Mm -hmm. really factor in. One of the things I appreciate about the military, it literally encompasses every gender, orientation, racial, and ethnic background. Doesn't mean that everyone's going to get along at first or at all in some cases, but it encompasses everything. But when we get out, veterans literally fill every single identity space in America. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's just getting in in connection and contact with that. Well, and we've talked about this. I want to dive just a little bit more into this meaning and process of transitioning that some people may have a voluntary transition or realize this isn't a life for them. Others like yourself, it's not the way you planned it, but here you are transitioning and, you know, others might retire, but they joined so early, they're still in the workforce. What is the meaning of transition? What does this mean to people? How does that affect their well-being? I imagine it's pretty jarring because you've been in a culture, whether it's four years or four years that there were rules, there was a paradigm, there was a mindset, there were structures in place. How does that look for people transitioning? Well, it really depends what we're talking about. If you ask the VA what transition means, we're talking about employment, we're talking about education, we're talking about housing, we're talking about the external factors that really impact someone's life and success in life, which is great. I think the VA is doing a great job at that. I think the Department of Defense has identified several key areas for someone to be successful. And really, they're thinking financial housing, like how are you going to take care of yourself? The military is taking care of so many of those aspects. Now you're paying the bills. The first time I got out of the military at 27 years old was the first time I ever paid rent. Wow. In an apartment because the military took care of it for me, right? right? There were so many things they just took care of. I'm like, oh, I got to write a check. I haven't written a check since learning how to write a check in high school. How do I do this again? Those are the kind of things you just have yeah. to get reconnected yeah. with. And mm-hmm. so from an external conversational point, yeah, those are the things we got to look at. Internally, you're going to have to start asking yourself a lot of questions that a lot of us have to do. Who am I? Mm -hmm. Who am I in this space? Who do I think I am? And that changes every decade that we ask ourselves that question, Mm -hmm. right? So as that person, as you said, four years or 40 years, they're living in that that military identity. And then that 41 year, the 41st year, now they're individual X. Mm -hmm. And they have to get reacquainted with that. And so the internal processes, the, the, the visualizations of self are really important for that individual to understand, for that veteran to help transition for the employment, for the education, for those jobs, et cetera. You have to do some of that internal work first. And nobody taught me how to do that. I was having some challenges and I needed to get some help and, mm-hmm. and do that internal work. It's things that we imagine, you know, the college years, the young adulthood, you're finding yourself, but you don't have time for that when you're doing a job. Like there's so many real positives around what this kind of career can offer. And then it also maybe kind of arrests that process unless you have the benefit to do that while you're there. Some people have very, you know, storied and and exciting careers, but whenever you get out, it sounds like there's a lot of things to think about. I mean, I think about what media shows us around veterans and I want to be with my family, but I also miss my actual military family and just that teamwork, whatever that is, you know, whether you're a firefighter, doctor, I suppose any of those kinds of groups where the team is part of that. Mm -hmm. 
Thinking about your experience, talking about what you've gone through, what we've covered, how can people start to put something together to build better rapport with veterans in their work? What would be some just quick thoughts you would have about if you're going to remember just a few things, here are a couple key things just keep in mind when working with veterans and people who've served in the military. I think uh, several things we can do. One, if you're meeting with veterans in a physical space, any kind of iconography described or displayed out so people know veterans are all about visual iconography. When I see mm. this, this rank right here, I already know real quick by looking at you how we compare. Mm. How is this relationship going to be formed immediately mm. by visually looking at you? So having something to let people know you're in a space where I see you and I've seen your service matters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also it helps if you're working with veterans, just knowing a little bit about the culture. I'm not saying you have to be an expert or resident expert on anything military, but if you've never served, you should know the difference between a Marine and a soldier, Mm. the difference between an airman and a sailor, just general basics. So you just know what they did, how they had to show up. And if you don't know, ask questions. Don't fake it. Veterans know very upfront if you're (laughs) faking it and not being authentic. So if you don't know, ask questions and don't put the onus of learning about that veteran on the veteran. Make sure you're showing up as a, as a clinical provider. You're doing your own work. If it's issues of race, ethnicity, do that work. If it's the LGBTQIA community and you're not, you're not part of that community, well, do that work. Make sure you're learning about that community so you can at least hold space. Not saying you got to be the expert, but just doing a little bit of intentional research on the community you're working with so you can hold space and be present is really helpful. There's some themes that are familiar, no matter what area or way people served. And then there's the individual, all of their intersectionalities and identities and asking questions and being respectful, not assuming, just knowing that first impressions and being authentic is going to really go a long way. A long way. Yeah. Thank you, Ahmad, so much for your time today, your experience as a veteran, for your service, for your continued service in the therapy and educational fields as you found your way after transitioning. You've shed light on a lot of issues, and I just uh, can't wait until we talk again soon. You can find resources related to the episode in our show notes, so be sure to check those out. Learn more about us by visiting our website at mhttcnetwork.org backslash Northwest. You can also follow us on social media at NWMHTTC. This broadcast is brought to you by the Northwest MHTTC, which is funded by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, or SAMHSA. However, the content does not necessarily reflect the views of SAMHSA. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to connecting with you again so we can keep putting it together. Take care.